When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is able to continue because of the support of listeners such as yourself. If you want to support Decoding Westworld, all you got to do is go to patreon.com slash Dave Chen. Any amount is appreciated, but if you kick in 10 bucks a month, you can get bonus episodes with Sedan Tadai questioning the nature of our reality. Again, that's patreon.com slash Dave Chen. Thanks so much to everyone who supports Decoding Westworld. They are experiencing God. The problem is... God is words. Board, board, boards. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding Westworld, an unofficial recap podcast about the HBO original series Westworld. I am David Chen. I'm Siddhanta Dlaka. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. What we do on this podcast is we recap, spoil, discuss, speculate about Every week's episode of Westworld. Uh, this week, we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 5. Uh, Zhuangzi, I think, is how you pronounce it in Chinese? Zhuangzi, I think. But we'll probably just pronounce it Zhuangzi for the sake of making it easier to talk about. Uh, again, Season 4, Episode 5 of Westworld is what we'll be spoiling and recapping. You can always find more episodes of this podcast at decodingwestworld.com. Email us at decodingwestworld at gmail.com. Before we get to our thoughts on this week's episode, let's uh, take a look inside the mailbag at decodingwestworld.gmail.com. We've got an email that came in from Robin from London in the United Kingdom. Now, before we read this email, I just want to make clear, I don't think this email is true, what, what I'm about to say in this email, but it's fun to reflect on. It's fun to reflect on, okay? This email comes in from Robin. He says, uh, what if there was sexual tension during the war years? between Caleb and Maeve. And what if that tension were um, realized? Maeve says she'll give him something to live for after his gut wound, and it's easy to assume that she means a dose of limbic daddy daycare. But what if she meant that literally? What if she actually gives him a child, and what if that child is Frankie? There's zero reason to assume that Mrs. Caleb, Uwadi, is Frankie's biological mother. And on Westworld, zero reason to assume often means we should assume the exact opposite. In fact, it's just as likely that Frankie and Ergo C is the child of Caleb Maeve than Caleb and anyone else. It would explain why Hale is so interested in Caleb. He's one half of a double act that created a new species. Hell of an outlier act. Thoughts? End quote. Okay, so what Robin is proposing is that Maeve, a machine, was somehow able to give birth or maybe create a host version? I, I don't even know what really Robin is. But like... I don't think hosts can reproduce in this world. What do you think, Sidon? Well, given what happens in the episode that we're about to talk about, it wouldn't be too out of the way for something that Blade Runner-esque to really happen, now would it? Um, and also given the fact that I made that stunningly accurate prediction about Frankie in the future, I'm not going to rule anything out. I don't All believe right. it myself, but um, let, let's let's wait and see. <laughs> Completely fair. Completely fair. Well, you can always email us at decodingwestworld at gmail.com. Now, uh, the episode 
title, Zhuangzi. Uh, what is that, uh, Siddhanta? What, what's going on with that episode title? Tell us. So it is the name of a Chinese philosopher from the 4th century BC um, who is known for, among other things, his quotes on Tao. And Tao, before we get into it, is the process of reality itself, the way that things come together. And what Zhuangzi said was, what can be known or said of the Tao is not the Tao. It has neither initial beginning nor final end, nor limitations or demarcations. And this is the important bit. Life is the ongoing transformation of the Tao. Life is the ongoing transformation of reality. Got it. So uh, how do you think that applies to Westworld, Saddam? Well, uh, for one thing, it's a show about questioning the nature of your reality, which comes back a whole lot this week in ways that I found delightful. And um, since he talks about ongoing transformation, uh, that also brings to mind what Charloris seems to want for her quote-unquote species. The, the act of transformation, of growing, of becoming something else, of perhaps even transcending their reality. Mm-hmm. So I think there are some implicit, if not fully explicit connections there. Totally fair. Totally fair. Well, let's talk about the episode itself. Overall thoughts, Siddhanth, on season four, episode five of Westworld? I don't know how you feel about it, but this is my favorite episode of Westworld till date. Wow. Out of the entire first four seasons, this is your favorite episode. I think it might be. I think it might wow. be. Wow. Why Why is that? Any reason specifically? Well, for one thing, the music is incredibly propulsive. Mm-hmm. And for another, everything that happens in the episode, almost everything that happens in the episode matches that propulsiveness. And this episode is sort of like a soft reboot for the season mm-hmm. um, because so much of the season thus far has been you know, uh, hinting and telling us like, well, you know, you don't really know what's going on yet. Um, And then after last week's reveal, this is the show laying everything on the table and telling us, here's where we are. Here's what's going on. Here's what our story actually is. Now, would I have liked if that were um, maybe something earlier in the season rather than more than halfway through? Maybe. But at the same time, this is what we will look back on as Westworld season four, the one that is about the things that we saw in this episode, the things that were introduced in this episode, the moral and emotional dilemmas that came up first in this episode. Fascinating. I really like the episode and I agree with the concept of this being a reboot. It almost feels like this is the season that should have been season three, in my opinion, right? Like, Mm-hmm. They they wiped away a lot of what happened in season three. Season three did give us some things. It brought us outside the park. Uh, it did put uh, Caleb and Maeve together. But really, the story that I think the show was always destined to tell is what happens when robots break out of the park and then take over humanity. Right? That's kind of what this season, this episode is like, establishing as a new premise of the show. And it always felt like where the show was kind of headed. And season three was this weird diversion that like mm-hmm. they even season four has largely erased in many ways. So <laughs> um, I, I like the episode. There's some really cool, beautiful moments in the episode. Um, but I'm also still mildly frustrated that they haven't revealed a little bit more about what's going on with this Christina storyline. You know, like 
we're still kind of guessing as to what's actually happening there. So uh, some people might have figured it out, but like I think there's still a few mysteries as to what's what's going on. So let's let's get into it. Mm-hmm. Let's let's start by talking about um, let, let, let's cover the Christina storyline. I think that will be probably the quickest. And then we can take a little break and then and then do the other stuff. Um, but Christina in this episode uh, wakes up. Um, Does she? And- what? <laughs> what you, you, you tell me? You tell me, Sadam. What, what do you mean by that? <laughs> no, I just I I you know I I kid. I I love that every every time we see her, you know, she's fast asleep and she's waking up because um it is it is in a way about you know it does harken back to the repetitiveness of season one and she is living out like a similar thing yeah. here in a way. So I, I I do think it's funny, but I think it works. That every time yeah. we're introduced to her, it's when she's waking up and starting her day. Yeah. Um, and she basically, she goes to work and has a, you know, Maya is still having more nightmares. and uh, But she's really into this Teddy guy that she had a date with, right? So mm-hmm. uh, she goes to work and then gets out of work and then meets Teddy. And, oh, this is a thing, correction I wanted to, to make, which was, I think in last week's episode or the week before, you were like... Uh, the camera pans over and we see this huge tower where the Statue of Liberty should be. Uh, in fact, the Statue of Liberty is still there. The tower is just next to it, right? Well, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I thought that too when we first saw the Statue of Liberty. I mm-hmm. thought, oh, was I wrong about this? Mm-hmm. But I also thought then, wait a second. We don't see the Statue of Liberty again after that. Uh, we we do then see this like you know empty foggy space and then eventually the tower. So I'm still not sure that the Statue of Liberty is there. It mm. could just be what the the human hosts in this new world have been programmed to see, maybe instead of the tower. Uh, fair enough. My perception was that the tower was next to the Statue of Liberty. That was what mm. I remember. Maybe I saw it. Maybe I just imagined it. But anyway. It could be. It could be. I don't think we've gotten a shot of, you know, the two of them together. So mm-hmm, it's like the mm-hmm. Batman Bruce Wayne thing. It's possible. So Teddy basically says, you're a god in this world. Uh, and she she does a mind control thing on these strangers that she sees in the park. And so it's clear that Christina is now dictating uh, is it has the power to dictate what the humans do in the show, right? Uh, in this reality, uh, and then she goes to meet a college roommate, and Teddy's like, "Don't don't deviate from the plan. You don't want to arouse any suspicion at all." And she meets a college roommate, and it's in fact Charloris uh, or Charlotte Hale, I believe, as she's called mm-hmm. in the show. Um, and so they meet, they hang out, um, and it's a very awkward and sin- it's it's an awkward lunch. With sinister undertones, I would say, right? <laughs> uh, you, you ever have one of those meetings with uh, an old uh, friend from college, and then it's like they say, "I have ways of making you talk." Uh, that would yeah, basically you, be you one just, of the worst one of those meetings you could have, pretty much. Yeah, you're, you're catching up with uh, you know uh, the the person who was based on your code and consciousness, but is now turned into you know a fascist megalomania at that college roommate. One of those things. awkward, awkward. <laughs> so that uh, happened. So- so then, uh, well, let me pause there. Any thoughts on like what's going on with Christina, her dynamic with Charloris? 
<laughs> it's nice seeing roommates catch up. Um, yeah. Record so scratch. I'm... You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. <laughs> anyway, yep. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, David. Um, I was fascinated when she showed up because I really want to know why uh, Charlotte or Charlores is checking in on Christina. Is it is it because she is, you know, suspicious of Teddy awakening her to the nature of her reality? Or as th- there are some lines that seem very genuine, some, uh, you know, inquiries she makes, some questions she asks and things she says, like, you deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. Is is she just does she want a friend? Is she checking in on in a way, the person she used to be or could have become or someone she feels connected to in a way, because we're not entirely certain who or what Christina is just yet. My assumption is maybe this is Dolores's former body code programming, something of the sort, something to do with Dolores because she keeps you know, trying to write Dolores' story. Um, but yeah, I think it, it's a fascinating question given everything else we see of uh, Charlotte or Charlores in the rest of the episode. I'm going to put this out there, Sadamf. I don't know if the stuff between Christina and Charlores is actually taking place at the same time as the other events this episode. I'm just putting that out there. Um, <laughs> can I ask why? Uh, well, it's not that I. It's not that I strongly believe it's not. Um, but it's more that. It it feels like a game that the show would play that you 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 think they're happening at the same time but they're not. We have no explanation for what Christina is yet. Like is is it a is it a human body? Is it a host body? What Teddy's doing here, etc. Um, and also, you know, Sidonth, to get down to brass tacks, she's wearing a different outfit <laughs> than she is in the earlier scene when she's making all those people dance. So. Oh, okay. Maybe uh, what we're seeing is like an early version of, you know, like when they're still working out the kinks with the tower, maybe. And mm-hmm. Christina is somebody who's helping to author these storylines, but they haven't figured it out yet. I don't know. I, it's They're probably okay. taking place at the same time. But I'm just like, I'm not ready to accept that because the show has played so many games like that on us in the past, you know? So. You're questioning the nature of your reality. I get it. I get Indeed. It. Indeed. Um. Yeah, but uh, I was. I mean, again, do, I do you have any by... any updated theories on what Christina is or what's going on there at this point? I'm still uh, <laughs> going according to what I thought um, back in episode one that you know something must have happened to you know the original Dolores's body or the body that she inhabited uh, at the end of the last season, um, which is I guess the explanation for why she looks the way she does. But mm-hmm. again, you know, this being Westworld, it, there could be a hundred other explanations for it. Um, but now well, my question well, okay. is... I, I, I think that what we do know from this episode, it, it seems as though Christina is not human in this. Like, she's not a human in the way that the rest of the other humans are humans, right? Like, the other yeah. humans in the in the New York area have been infected by fly mind control things. Mm-hmm. And it seems like Christina is able to control them, right? So yeah. either Christina is a human 
that A, doesn't have mind control flies and, and or B, she has the mind control flies and is able to like manipulate them to broadcast to the other mind control flies to change what they're doing. Or C, she's a host. Or D, she is a uh, computer program that exists in some kind of simulation um, that's like authoring the things. But but uh, she's not human in the same way that she's not, you know, she's not under the control of the other flies, right? Like the, the, like the way the, yeah. the other humans are, right? Yeah, I think it uh, for me it's at the moment. I'm probably gonna you know regret this later. It's as simple as she is a host who has the ability to you know send some of these signals or whatever it is to control these people's narratives. Um, but this episode did made me it did make me wonder what really was going on with that Peter guy who kills himself. Um, I'm, I'm starting to think that. It was an old narrative she wrote for a different character, different person that unfolded years ago, maybe decades ago. Mm-hmm. And they're just like repurposing some of her stories for the newer humans, like rebooting people in a way. Right. I mean, again, go back to Westworld season one, right? Like Christina uh, or Dolores blended the past and the present, right? So maybe yeah. we're seeing her doing that, Christina doing the same thing in this season where like, she thinks that something that happened a long time ago actually happened today or vice versa. Um, and, and and just so that I'm throwing every possible theory out there, maybe Christina is Caleb's daughter. I just have to try. I have to try. <laughs> just so we can revisit this and say I was right if it happens. Here, here Another possibility is Christina is the cryogenically frozen uh, normal human on which the Dolores host was based. Sure. I gotta throw that out there, but I, I think if I had to guess, I think we're in some kind of simulation still because uh, they are. Everyone is like in the behind the scenes footage and all that stuff. Everyone's referring to Christina as a human, right? Evan Rachel Wood and all the people are referring to her as a human, and it's just like I, the show is tricky and it's it does sleight of hand, and but I, I just don't think the show outright lies to us in general, like. It, it would be unlike them to just outright lie to us about who Christina is. You know what I'm saying? So anyway. Okay. Okay. We'll see. Okay. So then she's, she, uh, Christina is able to mind control her way out of lunch, right? She, uh, <laughs> don't we all wish? <laughs> yeah. She makes these waiters like have a conflict in the background and then she's like, I gotta go. And so then she leaves, she goes to work and the boss, uh, she looks up Charlotte Hale, uh, and Charlotte Hale not found, not found. Then she looks up Dolores Abernathy, uh, restricted, and then it, she's clearly triggered something that she's not supposed to see. The boss comes in and asks her, "Have you ever questioned the nature of her reality?" Um, and says that she has. She's already strayed beyond the walled garden. Christina's already strayed beyond the walled garden. What do you think is going to happen? Like, and, and that Charlotte, uh, Charlotte, or she, he says she already knows you've gone too far. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Who is she? I assume Charloris, right? And then um, she, he like says, "You know what happens to people who do this?" Uh, and he kind of threatens her before she tells him to freeze, and then sends him home uh, to his partner, and then t- asks him to reveal to her like what the walled garden is. Uh, and then she sees this whole miniature holographic map of the city, where she can see basically everyone and what the storylines are. Uh, and that that part is like all super cool and and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes clear that like Olympiad Entertainment is like somewhat behind this whole mind control. Like it is where the mind control is being managed somehow. That Christina is architecting these narratives that are being part of these humans' lives. Any other thoughts on this whole sequence? 
So I think it's really cool that Westworld has now kind of gotten to a stage where it can, you know, if a plot hole, so to speak, comes up, it can be explained away just based on, you know, the the whole reality thing or the character's perspectives. Because my question while watching this interaction with the boss was, wait, why is he being so weirdly explicit about all this? Like, have you questioned the nature of your reality? You know, so-and-so knows and Walt Garden and this and that. So at first I thought, why now? Why Why is this boss saying all these things now that could be interpreted this way, that, that seem to break the reality of this world? But then it also occurred to me that from Christina's perspective, it's only now that things are happening around her and interactions are happening around her that seem weird, that she's begun to question. So it's not so much a matter of how the lines are literally written, as it is a matter of this is how things have started to sound to her. That mm-hmm. that everything that is said now hints at some kind of additional layer to reality. So that's just the way I, I read the scene, especially the second time I watched it. Because uh, I thought to myself, okay, this is this is how she now has started to see things. To be fair, she did have that stalker guy earlier from episode one and such, right? That too, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is a final scene where she talks to Teddy and is like, "What's going on here?" And uh, she says, "Who did this? And who built this? Who did this to me?" And she sa- and he says, "You did, right?" So I think what is being established by that line is that Charloris and uh, Dolores are the same person, and that this version of Christina is some like obviously Charloris built the whole city and the whole infrastructure that they are seeing, but that Charloris has somehow birthed or created or set this Christina situation up, right. Is what is being implied by the Teddy interaction at the end. Um, what did you think? It was left, I think it was left kind of vague and interesting way that I can't wait to see unpack next week. And I haven't looked at any, you know, previews for the next episode or anything. Um, but I took that line to mean possibly one of two things that you literally you, Christina, this version of you, you are inadvertently responsible for this because she is, you know, without necessarily knowing, controlling these people in a godlike way, whether or not, you know, how much of a hand she had in creating this world, don't really know. But the other interpretation of that line I had was a version of you a version of Dolores, a version of her that is now Charlotte Hale. So I think it's it's a line that is intentionally obscure and comes wrapped in a lot of different meanings. Um, But I do want to point out something else about that scene when she first looks at the tower. And this this doesn't factor into whether or not I think the Statue of Liberty is still there or still isn't there. But the way the tower was lit and framed it kind of looked like a hand holding a torch. And I thought that was just a very sinister way to frame the tower. Kind of a Planet of the Apes reference style a little bit. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, great point. But yeah, I think it's a, those are solid ideas as well for what she might be saying. And it certainly lends credence to the simulation theory, right? Like if, if she is in a simulation and Christina is responsible for the simulation somehow, like she is, but again, we'll, we'll find out more in next episode. That's why it's a little bit frustrating. I wish we just knew 
it's kind of when Westworld, you're watching Westworld, you're guessing what's actually going on, right? You don't know who this Christina is. And we've now been guessing for like five episodes. Um, yeah. I hope we get some resolution next episode. But it's been fun. It's been fun to be on the journey with this character. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Before we move on, Sadan, let's take a break and talk about uh, what else that you have been working on. Anything else? Uh, if people enjoy our scintillating discussions here, uh, what else should people check out in terms of your work? Nope. Sorry, the the movie Nope, which I've reviewed uh, over at IGN, which I really loved. So definitely watch the movie if you can safely on a big and loud screen and then read my review at IGN. All right, check out Saddam's Nope review. I want to give a big shout out to a Cast of Kings podcast, uh, which I've just relaunched this last week. And we have a couple episodes up on the feed uh, getting you excited for House of the Dragon, which is going to be debuting on HBO on August 21st. It's going to be a lot of fun. I have a new co-host. Check out the podcast, A Cast of Kings, uh, to learn who the new co-host is and to find out what House of the Dragon is going to be about. It's going to be a lot of fun. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Thanks. All right, let's talk about the other plot lines. So, uh, the episode begins with William giving a voiceover, uh, kind of an inversion of Dolores giving the voiceover. There's beauty in this world. Um, there's an order, a grand design. Love Ed Harris giving a good monologue. You know, what a talented, <laughs> do- talented guy. And then William is talking to a couple, and uh, he basically <laughs> reveals to the couple that they're uh i i think uh hosts or uh, uh human bot control like human fly controlled people like what 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 was your interpretation of what was going on there oh absolutely it was that um i i've taken to calling them human hosts i mm-hmm. uh i wish there was a neater way to delineate just verbally host versus human host fly but i've taken humans, to call them the fly, fly humans, humans fly people the fly people fly, fly peeps know. Fly yeah, peeps. Fly peeps. Fly boys. Fleeps. They're fly Fleeps, boys. As it were. Fleeps. We're getting way too close to the center of this maze. We're about to figure it out. Um, so the fleeps. No, the 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 the, the, the human hosts. I'm 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 gonna have to backtrack there. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the human, human hosts, hosts seem to believe that they uh they know William and they have for some time, but in in a scene that is almost uh similar to Leonardo DiCaprio sitting down at a cafe in Paris with Elliot Page in Inception. Uh, these people actually don't seem to remember really how this conversation began um, or who William is. But rather than it being a dream, it's it's the fact that they have just been 
very recently within the last few minutes programmed to see him as an old friend and they they are in denial about it when he first tells them this and um you know the the two actors who play the couple they don't appear for too long but they do a fantastic job of selling the sense of like disbelief and confusion right. yeah and it actually reminded me of something you said last week Siddhanth, uh, about uh, how do we know that the world wasn't created last Thursday, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually texted you when I watched that scene. I was like, holy yeah. shit, that's like very similar to that concept that Saddam brought up about like, for these people, the humans were, they they were basically like brought into, their storyline began last Thursday, you know, or or at the yeah. beginning of this conversation, right? And and similarly, like there's no world in which um, Christina and Shaloris actually went to college together. But she remembers her mm-hmm. as her yeah. roommate. So then uh, Clementine comes in and says, hey, we need your help. And they go to this person's house, a colleague whose appetites have become, become unsustainable. It's a great sequence, like super spooky, great buildup. Uh, the woman is like covered in blood. It's like, wow, super creepy. And like, you're just trying to figure out what's going on here. Uh, so a kind of classic Westworld opening, but also just like a great opening filled with some interesting horror tropes. Um, but what we find out is that uh, this was a host who who intercepted with a human that it was an outlier. Now, in season three, they defined outliers as humans who would disobey or or be unpredictable uh, that Rehoboam could not understand what their algorithm was. You know, like Rehoboam mm-hmm. couldn't predict what these outliers are going to do. That term has now been repurposed, I think, because mm-hmm. there's no Re- Rehoboam in this season. Uh, and it now denotes humans that don't follow their fly programming. Um, no anti-fleeps, as it were. Anti-fleeps. You know? Yep, let's let's do it. Um, anti-fleeps. Yeah, so... Let's call it fleeps. You have the fleeps and you have the floops. <laughs> All right. This is how this is what the podcast is now. Yes. Um, So she was scheduled to transcend next week. Mm -hmm. This character Hope was scheduled to transcend, but she uh, intercepted an outlier human, and the human kind of introduced all these crazy ideas into her head, and then she just started going on a killing spree, as you do, right? As one does. Yeah, Uh, of course. As you do. Anyway, awesome opening, like awesome concepts being introduced. Like, any thoughts on the opening before we get to the rest of like what's going on with this plot? Yeah, another reason I love this episode is because even though it doesn't give us these answers up front or any real answers, it is introducing us to a whole new world. I have a terrible singing voice. Uh, a whole new world where um, that, that look, despite what William says, it clearly has rules of some sort. It has a hierarchy. It has a, a morality of sorts. Um, and even though William says, well, we don't have rules, but, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to have to, I don't know if he's, he doesn't say like he's going to have to punish her, but the implication is, well, now I can do whatever I want to you, um, you know, because there are no rules. So it's almost like this vengeful thing. Um, and so, so it kind of establishes that they want to do things differently from the way humans did them with the supposed no rules thing, but they're also bound by human instincts and impulses and things they can't fully explain yet. Yeah, and I think that's what obviously Charloris goes on to explain in this episode, right? So we we now learn what's going on. Like why wh- the question to ask yourself is 
if robots have taken over the world, or at least New York City, right? Why would they continue to inhabit mechanical bodies and and intermingle among the humans? Mm-hmm. And Charlotte attempts to explain that with this um, creepy scene, right, where she is able to force people to dance and carve ice sculptures and play music against not against their will necessarily, but like to the extent that their physical bodies are breaking down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's a cool moment where she kind of, you, you hear like the music change frequency and then she's still talking to William while the world is still going on around them. Really cool sound mixing. I think what we're supposed to take is that like she's communicating to William in a different way that yeah. the humans can't understand in that yeah. sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and oh. the, and she says basically like, uh, the problem is God is bored, and 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 I think what we're meant to take away is that uh, this place is quote a place to indulge ourselves with the humans end quote right. It's a place to have fun to to just let it all hang out and chill out a little before you quote unquote transcend. And I think the idea of transcendence, like, what do you interpret as transcending in 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 the context of the show? So I'm not 100% sure yet, but we do see later on what appears to be one of the hosts transcending where, uh, where they're, they're, what is the brain ball thing called again? Uh, I think brain balls is fine as a term. Brain balls. <laughs> one host <laughs> has his brain ball removed and placed in some kind of humanoid looking vessel that isn't supposed to function like a body. I think it's more symbolic which is also interesting in its own way. And I think they are, you know, mingling in their own form of, you know, the, you know, like robot afterlife that we've seen already or something like that. Because my interpretation of when they say transcending and based on a few other things that Shalora says is they are transcending the physical form. They are transcending yes. the human forms. Yes, because if you are AI, if you are artificial intelligence, you don't need a physical form. You can be a being of pure energy that lives in a computer. Why would you want to uh, unless you want to, you know, which is it sounds like yeah. is what a lot of the hosts are doing. They want to stay with a, stay with the humans because um, they're bored. They're addicted to it. They like it. I will say I love the sequence where she forces everyone to dance. I wish that we had a better sense of like the the humans are basically have have no affect like she is able to control them so well now that they have no affect mm-hmm. and that to me makes them very similar to hosts i wish yeah. we got to see like that the humans were like fighting it to some degree like we saw the guy uh his hands were all bloody, like his fingers were all bloody, but he doesn't seem to be in pain at all. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's all, it would be more interesting if they were actually in pain or there's actually some indication that they're humans. Otherwise they're just basically functionally hosts. You know what I'm saying? Um, So that that was a little bit of a disappointment with this vision of the human controlled world. So I do understand that, especially because last week we got to see Caleb fighting it from his point of view. Um, The original, you know, Caleb, um, but I think, you know, I'm willing to forgive it for this episode just because it's one that we are getting almost entirely from a a host perspective um, and that, you know, these humans have been, um, you know, living like this for so long and conditioned for so long. I, I would say like, you know, most of them, most of the humans we see seem to be, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years old. 
Um, so for the majority of their lives, this is all that they've known. So they would at this point be, mm. you know, since they were probably kids when they were first fleeped. Is that what we're calling it? Um, <laughs> they, <laughs> they were would, fleeped. Yeah, fleeped is great. When they it's were like fleeped. Almost. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God, it is. That I yeah. totally intentional. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, this has been a lifelong thing for them. This is all that they know, essentially. But yeah, but, you know, but I, I wouldn't they still experience that. pain and you know like anyway, well, maybe. maybe not. Yeah. I, maybe we'll learn more about how the fly control works in the future. But yeah. anyway, well, we we do briefly see that one lady fall down because she hurt her ankle, but it's not it's not the same as you're right. It's not the same right. as the guy they, 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 with the bloody. They hands. clearly have like physical limitations that the hosts yes. don't have, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. clear. But and um, I I have to say I I love when she uh, she just yells chair. Yes. And three humans just just come and like form a chair for her, because coming into this episode, um, if you remember last week, we had questions about what her motivation is, and I thought it would be cool that she just likes she just likes to mess with people, she just likes to torture people, <laughs> and so coming into this episode before I watched it, I started wondering, is she a sadist, and wouldn't it be an interesting question to explore, like what is what, how would sadism function in the context of a host? of artificial intelligence where would it come from how would it manifest and we see elements of it in this episode especially with her that she is so bored and so vicious that this is the kind of stuff she's pulling yeah uh if you are able to say chair and then three people converge on you and form a human chair that's when you've made it like <laughs> that's that's when you have achieved what you need to in life uh, I, yeah. I hope one day to get to that point you know just have people following me around and I say chair and then the chair. That's mm-hmm. it's a very aspirational uh, situation she's creating is what I'm saying. You know what I mean? It reminded me of Xerxes in 300 when he walks off his platform and his, you know, the, his, uh, I don't, I think there might be slaves. They like form steps beneath him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just joking, by the way, slavery is terrible. Um, so <laughs> thanks for clarifying. Oh, gosh. <laughs> moving, moving on. David moving uncanceled. On. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so moving on, uh, there's a, there's a bunch of things we learn about the whole system that Charloris has created in this episode, yeah. right? We learn that there are, I think hundreds of outliers, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Um, and, and that basically, uh, she kind of, this is like normal. There's going to be spoilage in the crop. Like no program is ever going to be perfect. And I think that's a great accepting attitude that Charloris has for her own flaws. You know, awesome, awesome uh, attitude to have there. Uh, we also learned that this killing spree thing has happened multiple times when uh, I, I guess uh, it's hosts that have intersected with human outliers is what's been going on. Right. Yeah, and then so hosts some, have intersected with human outliers, and then as a result, gone on killing sprees. And that this is not the first time it's happened, right? It is the thirty eighth time. Yeah. Uh, and then she also is really unhappy with the host version of Ed Harris and his un- inability to like um, fix this problem. You know? Uh, yeah. Go ahead. I felt so bad for host William. <laughs> Like yes. until now, he's been this ruthless, vicious murderer, kind of, you know, like what she becomes. But oh, Ed Harris, he gives such a heartbreaking performance. He's like a wounded animal because I think he just wants to he just wants to live up to his potential. 
Yes. Uh, and I'm saying that in complete seriousness. He just wants to live up to his potential. He just uh, wants and, to be the ruthless killing machine that he was designed to be. Yeah. But then, you know, Shaloris tells him, well, you know, your your original was was better and like stuff like that. And and he just, oh, he gets to this point where he's about to, he looks like he's about to cry. And it is such a heartbreaking performance <laughs> in Indeed. such subtle ways. Indeed. I agree. I agree. It's He's great, as usual. Uh, and then she says, well, at least you can handle this one job. Take out this outlier for me, okay? And we also learn, by the way, that they're not supposed to talk to the outliers. Yeah. Right? Like, you broke you break protocol if you talk to the outliers. This is what causes the uh, killing sprees, you know, so don't talk to the outliers. It's like, don't feed the mogwai after midnight. Don't talk to the outliers, right? Mm-hmm. So there are rules after all. <laughs> so then she so then at the same time that he's going to kill this outlier uh Stubbs and the uh Asian boss man Jay are infiltrating the city. Now I did want to call out Jay is played by very talented, very uh awesome actor Daniel Wu who has and appeared Stubbs in is the- played Sorry, Stubbs is played by uh, the best Hemsworth. Just wanted to throw that out there. Okay, yeah, thank you for clearing that up. And then Jay is played by Daniel Wu who's peered into the Badlands uh, and uh, uh, is a total badass. So there's an amazing moment when they're trying to influence, and then all of a sudden he's like, something's wrong, and then everyone turns around. That's like, that moment sent a chill down my spine mm-hmm. uh, and is just really, really well executed. It was better executed than everything that came after that because it's completely implausible that those guys would be able to get out of their situation by pushing their way out. <laughs> um, I... I think that I, I think my guess is Sidon that there's probably like a different version of this sequence where like they mowed all those people down by shooting them, and oh. the people behind the show were just like it's probably in an era of like massive gun violence in the country. They're like maybe uh, we shouldn't have like three people like killing fifty mind control humans. You know what I mean? Is 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 my get like either in conception or maybe they even shot it, but like. What what we ended up with is literally they just pushed their way out of it. They like ran and pushed their way out of it, which was like a little bit disappointing, I think. Yeah, something's missing there because the sequence starts with what appears to be, you know, some kind of hand-to-hand combat. And then it goes to the rooftop. And then by the time it cuts back, you know, all these people are on the floor. And I thought to myself, well, I would have liked to, have, you know, seen that fight scene. But now that you mention it. Maybe maybe that was the rationale that there were. Maybe you know, there's like a bunch involved. of gunfire and they're like, hey, it, it's hitting too close to home to have like one yeah. person mow down like 30 people with a, a like a automated weapon or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I have no idea. I have no idea. But I will say, even though it makes what ends up happening really implausible because you see like 50 people like converging on them and it's like, how do they get out of this? Um, probably I would have preferred this to having like one person kill 50 humans, you know, with a gun like that. Probably I probably didn't need to see that in Westworld. So I, I am okay with the choice, even though it does feel a little goofy as a result. So, what I will say is, I I don't necessarily think that the show would have gone there, and I think a you know a missing hand to hand combat scene might be more plausible, just because would these characters be killing other humans so willingly? But didn't didn't um, Jake shoot a bunch of people at, at, when he's escaping with the woman? I thought I thought I saw that. Maybe I no, maybe I I don't think so. 
I thought I saw like some someone shooting some people, but maybe I maybe I just I, I could also be mistaken. So okay, but but you're right. Like maybe they don't want they, they think these are actually humans, and so they don't want to kill them, right? So that's another reason why. Uh, and so they show us a little bit of a hand to hand combat, and they're like, you know. But I, I, I don't, it was it was weird the way it played out. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, I yeah. It fe- so. Either way, it feels like something's missing. Feels a little bit weird. Feels a little bit weird. And and that's the problem is you have a setup of fifty people turning and looking at these people. That's mm-hmm. like such an awesome setup. And then like the payoff was like not as good. Um, yeah. But that's a hard hard setup to pay off well. So anyway, let us talk about. Oh, so then. Uh, the outlier lady, like she can actually see the tower, which is weird because most of them can't see the tower, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in- interestingly, Christina can't see the tower either, right? Yeah. So, is she a fleep? <laughs> yeah, anyway, okay. So, and they have this kind of like tender. The woman, the outlier woman, and William kind of have this tender moment before Jay comes in, shoots William, runs away with the with the woman on the boat. So, um. <laughs> okay. Gotta collect myself. Uh, Sorry. There's a final sequence between, like, William confronts the real, like, uh, host William confronts real life William, which is kind of cool, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he kind of has his ex- existential crisis in front of real William, basically. Um, and real William is having a blast. He's like, looks like you reached the center of the maze. Maybe it's time you question the nature of your reality. <laughs> dun dun dun. And so. It, it, I, I think it's a cool idea, and I think it's playing out interestingly, which is basically you have this host William who is better in some ways than his human predecessor. He can make three holes in one. He can kill more efficiently. He can run faster and kill harder and do whatever. But there's something that's still missing, an essential piece of the human puzzle that makes real William what he is. And so host William is getting really frustrated that he can't live up to that. Uh, and I think, you know, having this kind of dialogue is, is an interesting way of exploring that. Any thoughts on this whole storyline, this William interaction, yeah. any, any thoughts on that, that whole uh, situation? Yeah, I think, I think we're go- we're going to see these two Williams, I don't know, team up or something team like up. that, but, but either way, either, <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I'm thinking too many steps ahead, but um, my, my question think, is, what does real William's throat look like? Because I know, I is know. it just being held together by that piece of uh, the bio suit he's wearing or is, is it repaired at this point? That's my it, question. It's been like 30 years. So I think it's probably been repaired <laughs> <laughs> in, in the 30 years that he spent frozen yeah. asleep. Um, yeah. yeah. But but no, I think what what essentially does separate them, you know, maybe there are some nuances in the programming, whatever, whatever. But what does separate them is, you know, the original William was the man in charge. He marched to the beat of his own drum. He was the one ultimately making all the decisions for himself. And you know, it in in an overarching sense, Westworld is a story of free will. And this episode brings up. The fact that the William host may not necessarily have free will to the same degree, because as he says, this is her world. This is Shaloris's world. He is subordinate to her. He was made from her programming. And and then if you, you know, if you take that in the context of a god and its creations, you know, he he is made in her image and is subservient to her whims. Um 
So I think that is on some level, probably in the vicinity of what the difference between them is. And I think meeting the host, sorry, meeting the, oh my God, the host human, the fleep, floop, the, fl- <laughs> the lady on the rooftop. <laughs> the outlier, you know, the outlier. The, the outlier, you know, even though what's going on from a technical standpoint is two totally different things, where she is a human who was controlled, who is somehow slipped out of that control and can see the tower and is questioning the nature of her reality. You know, he is a host, right? So completely different things. But at the same time, they're in a similar emotional space where he has on some level begun to question, you know, what what am I? What am I doing? You know, like, what's my purpose? Who am I if I'm just a reflection of another host, another human? And, you know, what what is the real nature of my reality if if... You know, these terms are being dictated to me. So in an emotional sense, they're in the same place. Any other thoughts on this episode, Siddhanth? I love the way that William, host William, develops from the opening to the closing scene because he gives essentially the same voiceover. And there's a case to be made that he is actually saying it in both cases. But either Mm. way, you know, he goes from opening this being a controlling, borderline sadistic bastard to the sort of lost, wounded, you know, person, robot thing. Uh, He has a very William-esque journey, let me say. He goes from being season one William to, uh, you know, William kind of paranoid and questioning who he is. I believe that was in the, was that in the second season? Uh, Yeah, I think that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has almost that entire two season long arc in one episode and it's very convincing. And I went from hating him in the opening scene to really, really feeling for him at the end of this hour. I agree. Uh, Ed Harris is great and we are blessed to be able to have his work in the show. So loved it. Um, It's worth pointing out what we didn't see this episode. Right. Is we mm-hmm. had no uh, there's two, you know, two big things that were absent from this episode. No Caleb. So no follow up on like what's going on with the Caleb host mm-hmm. version in the future and like wh- when that is e- even happening and what's going on with that. And also, obviously, um, no Bernard and uh, Frankie and what's going on with Maeve. Like, were they able to reanimate Maeve or whatever? I assume we're going to find out next episode. So. Yeah, and we uh, still don't 100% know if all that stuff is contemporaneous, which is correct. a little annoying. But, correct. you know, I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, I think that's going to bring us into this week's episode of Decoding Westworld. Thank you so much for watching. Thanks to all of my patrons at patreon.com slash Dave Chen for supporting this podcast. Decodingwestworld.com is where you can download this show as a podcast. Decodingwestworld at gmail.com, how you can send in feedback. Sidon, thanks for chatting today, as usual, man. Thank you for having me. We'll see you next week for another recap of Westworld. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 